series, and today is called Authenticity. Last week, we talked about relationships. Today, we're going to talk about authenticity. We're going to find out who are you? Who are you? You know, I, I love social media. I love, remember I told you how great it is to better text and uh, Facebook and all those things, but also we're going to talk about the negative side of it. And when we talk about authenticity, we have a way of presenting ourselves to people online one way, but walking in public another way. How many filter your phone calls? What do you mean? But you know, you got enough. You don't know who it is, right? You just got, well, I'll call back later. If you don't recognize the number, you don't answer. That was my rule until the other day, and I, I broke it. Because it was 325, I saw it was an emergency. I thought someone was calling me to tell me how many legs I had. <laughs> and uh, it was this warranty company. And they were telling me about my car was running out of warrant. It's going to run out of whatever the warranty is running. I said, it's 2014. I just, got, I just got checked. I said, it's a three-year-old car with 26,000 miles on it. Well, you know, you're about to run out. And I'm like, ma'am, I'm okay. Really, I trust Toyota. That's why I drive Toyotas. Because they're the best cars in the world. I'm sorry, Nissan is just the second best. And if you're an American car, I'm really praying for you. But they kept, she was trying to convince me to get this new warranty. And she's about $700 a year because you have four miles worth of electronics in your car that if one goes out, something bad's going to happen. Well, I just turned in my 2012 Highlander, got fixed. It was supposed to be $400. It only came out to $70 because we have a warranty on it that I knew we had on my other car. I said, it's a new car. She said, you never know. It might break down. And I broke the rule because it took me 45 minutes to get her off the phone <laughs> because I didn't see who it was. And we get to filter our calls. You know, I grew up before you had caller ID. Y'all recognize caller ID? Y'all know anything about phones, right? We had this thing called caller ID. AT&T came out with it. We thought it was fantastic. And you can just see, okay, we can pick that up. But before we had caller ID in my age group, my mom and dad were the filter. Because if you called after 9 o'clock, if my mother was still awake, she would call X, who is this? This is, okay, and I'll let you speak to him one time, but you cannot call back after 9. That was nice. My dad would answer the phone. Who is it? So-and-so. It's after 9. Don't call back. <laughs> so I had to go to school the next day, embarrassed. But back in those days, they didn't care about your, my um, psyche or my self-esteem. You know what I mean? They didn't, we didn't have that growing up. Self-esteem had nothing to do with it. Just don't call after 9 o'clock, especially if your dad is answering the phone. Well, we can get the filter our communication. And when we take, like, selfies, and, you know, um, when you take a selfie and uh, take a picture and um, the light's just not that good, you know, and you, you, try to, you try to make it good there and you take this picture and... And my, you know, my head's shining now, so I have to take it, and you, um, you take it, and you work on it. And I make the head stop shining, and if I'm good enough, I can draw some hair right over this one. <laughs> you know how you, because you want to give your best self, right? The one that don't really exist, right? They saw you on your good day without the, oh, I'm sorry, ladies, what? 
Guys don't wear that. Oh, guys don't wear. I know guys are getting pedicured anyway. So the whole different story. You know, you got before you they see with your glory. I called your glory, right? Is that a good word? Okay. So that's what we do. We filter a lot of things. But the more we filter, the less we become authentic. Without communication with one another, the best me, whatever that is, whoever that is, and we can get lost. And that question I asked you last week, how is social media affecting relationships? Well, the first one is people are starting to fear and avoid the unfiltered. They're afraid to have actual conversations or to expose the real me. You know, we call our ID. The real me, the one you see today, can be different than what you see online. You know, you take a selfie or you take a, you have a Facebook moment when you go out on a date. Everything is great. And you just had your fight before then, but you want to show everybody you're in love. No, no one does that here, right? You know, those type of things. So we don't know how to talk or be together in an unfiltered setting because we want to present the best you or the best me. And then when you're talking about the kingdom of God, um, what we're going to talk about today that's like putting a veil over your head, over your face. And then walking around and everybody's trying to guess, is that the real you? Problem is, when you present the real you, try to present the fake you, everything in your world is fake. You don't even know if you have real relationships or not because you're walking in this world. And the older you get, it's best that you be authentic because it's hard to remember the hype. You come up one way and like, yeah, I'm this, and you kind of forget what you said last week. You know what I mean? So it's just be real and be yourself. But it's kind of hard today because of all the, me- the social media and all those things, Snapchat, all those things you see today, it's not the real you. And the story we're going to go today in first, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. And this is a story of Moses. Paul's talking about Moses when in the Old Testament, when Moses went back up on the mountain to be with God to get to receive the Ten Commandments again because he came down the first time and the people were just out of control. He got angry. He smashed them. God brought him back up there for 40 days and 40 nights. He came back off the mountain after dealing with God and being in the presence of God. Face was shining brighter than my head. Just they could not look upon him. They were like, oh my gosh, this guy is just, he's beaming. And they were afraid to get next to him. So what he would do, he would talk below what God said, and then he would put a veil over his head. And someone's going to wear this today. You going to wear this for me today? Oh, you just sold him out, I tell you that. And he would go into the presence of God, take the veil off, receive, come talk to the people and put the veil on. Now, there's certain things that, there's certain reasons why he was doing that. The theologians are, are really going at it about why and what, and 
Some of the people said because it was the faith, his glory was starting to fade on his face, so he didn't want the Israelites to see that God's glory was fading. Um, the high-end guys will tell you basically um, there was shown that it was a principle of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, because now we're in the New Covenant, the way Paul's putting it. The Old Covenant was going to fade away, and we have the New Covenant coming. Also, they were, he was blaming so much he wanted to protect them or preserve them. Now, we're going to use it as a metaphor today. There's some things I'd agree with and some things I didn't want to agree with. So I didn't land on what the real reason is. But they all agree it was deliberate that he did it. It was deliberate. And I want to use it today because it's deliberately we put veils on our face, on our lives. So people can't really see in. And we have a hard way, hard time seeing out. If you get your Bible, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 13 to 18. So now like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. That's what they're talking about. The law was coming to an end. He didn't want the people to see his fading, glory fading because they were a fickle people. They saw it fading. They would, they would uh, lose faith. And they were, already, they were already hard-headed anyway. He didn't want to go through that. That's what some of the writers say. Um, again, uh, there's a lot of things out there written. Uh, I couldn't land on a lot of them. I apologize for that. But there's one of those scriptures that you read and you study especially when you go to Deuteronomy, because I never want to land on something because someone else thinks it's that way. But their minds were hardened. To this day, when they read the covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. So they would come to the synagogue. They would preach the law, but the people didn't get it because it was a veil over their heart. They couldn't get it. Without Christ, it's impossible to get the revelation of God. How many agree with that? Yes, to this day, whenever Moses bells, lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is what? Now, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. There is what? As, and with all, with unveil all. Everyone say all. all. Unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image of one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I ask in this moment, whatever veils are over our hearts, over our minds, over our eyes, Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can lift it. And we trust you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. You read that again. I'm giving you just a background on that about why he was wearing the veil. But the veil is really a metaphor of that which is you can't really see. He can see partially, but he couldn't, they couldn't see fully in him. He couldn't see fully out. But the veil, if it's over our hearts, it's hard to receive everything for God. Now, like I said, the writers agreed because it was deliberate he did that. One, to protect them or two, to preserve them. And, you know, I looked at that and I said, you know, a lot of us wear veils to protect or preserve an image which want everyone else to see that isn't real. What veil are you wearing this morning? What veil are you wearing? You know, you see you on Facebook or Twitter, you got your scriptures going, and you might be a guy, have all these scriptures going, and you might be just bound in pornography. These secret sins. But your image is, hey, I'm Joe. Christian, but 
behind the scenes, there's something messing with you. Or you're a mom and you got everything going. We got life is balanced out and I got this going on. And you're stressed and overwhelmed like, oh, my gosh, they really knew who I was. But the image says, you're strong, you're in control. That's what it showed on this little clip. And then your real life says, I am stressed out. I can't take another day. I'm going to kill my husband. Now, you don't really say that. I hope you don't say that. Y'all look at me like y'all do say that. Okay. The veils that we wear. The moments we have when we have, we're out, we got to tweet. We got to get our best you out on a date with honey. He doesn't know where we're going. I have to make up all the rules. Yeah, that's what happens. Ladies, you got to know that. After a while, you got to lead us. Okay? Help you that. No one tells you that before you get married. But you got to understand, we get older, we just kind of fade. We do. Right? You teach me things. And it's great. 30, 29 years, I'm still learning. I'm a pupil. That's what disciples are. All the men should laugh about that moment. Okay. When you look at that, I watched a, um, my son introduced me to a show called Catfish TV. Has everyone ever heard of Catfish TV? <sighs> you sinners. <laughs> well, I didn't know what it was. And he said, watch this, Dad. And I'm looking at this, and what it is is, that, like, people get together, and they have these relationships online. And, uh, and for two or three years, and they're all in love and everything, and then they have this issue because the person they see online might not be the real people. So they actually hire a team to come in and investigate the other person. And they find out that when they show up, they have these meetings. Well, this one was she was, he was this height, this size. It's not him. In some instances, it's her. And they're upset because they were tricked. But there was a new one I looked at. They both were lying. And they were both met. And they would say this, well, I didn't, if I showed the real me, you'd probably reject me. You know, and that's today's society. We're so scared that we're so insecure that people are going to reject us, that we put this image up. And then when they see the real you, because you can't keep it up much longer, you're scared they're going to walk away from you. I mean, when we meet with guys, they give me a resume of everything they've done wrong. Really? Okay, well, I've been on that list. Um, So what do you think? I don't know. You live life. They're surprised. Now, there's another thing called Match.com. You know that new commercial? I met somebody. I met somebody. You know the word somebody is, is trouble. Because you know you meet somebody, right? We've been there. And they come see me as Donovan. He's like, he is it. She is it. And we say, I don't know. No, okay, we know each other so well. Why? Because they talk online a lot. We know each other like, like, you know, and then you come together and you get married. And then you're in the office. She's an axe murderer. <laughs> well, you couldn't see that in the profile, could you? Or she'll come on and say, well, look, those, all your associates, all your friends have to go. And he'll come home and say, hey, honey, I quit my job. Since you have a great job, I'll just hang out at home and take care of the kids. Didn't see that coming. But on Match.com, everything is perfect. Right? Perfect picture. You know, as the guys will say, you get home and 
this comes, the wig comes off, the weave comes off, and, and the guys are like, okay, I can let my belt out now, and put my feet up, and your feet stink, you know what I mean? You can't sit on match.com, can you? Why y'all looking at me like that? I hope that? I'm sorry. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying, you got to investigate. It's okay to meet face-to-face first. Because we got all these shows now. You know, marry her for the first time you met her. Yeah, see, all y'all watch all them shows. Y'all just sinners. Y'all need to be watching TBN. Now, I watch it for research. Okay? But it's, it's amazing what's going on with that. And um, it's not real. Or you get the other side of us. We just love. And you're saying, Pastor Rich, what am I going to do? Real? Be real? I want you to be authentic. There's a quote by um, Beth Moore. It says, be authentic with all, transparent with most, and intimate with some. Don't want you on Facebook bleeding out. Especially if you're a guy. Guys, there's, there's, there's just a code for guys. We're dudes, all right? Because just, I can't explain it, but just, you know, you know what I'm, we're dudes, right? Are we tracking? Don't get on there and please don't. Just give up your brother card. Just give it up. <laughs> give up your man card right now. You know, but don't bleed out. Find those relationships, life-giving relationships God has planted in the church for you to talk to people. Okay, because here's a great saying. I love this saying. Everything you say must be true, but not everything true must be said. See what I'm saying? Everything you say must be true, but not everything true must be said. And and that media, now today is just hyper. It's very hyper right now. Everyone's hypersensitive, especially this whole week with the immigration stuff. Everyone is just so sensitive. And so riled up. But like we said, I just read, the only hope for America is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not the president, not the Senate, not the Congress. We want change, we got to preach the gospel. That's a commercial. Now, now when you look at that, you look at the story. We're going to get to the story now. He had a veil on over his face. Here's a a point if you're taking notes. A veil that covers the face eventually covers the heart. A veil that covers the face eventually covers the heart. Verses 14 and 15. But their minds were hardened to this day. When they read the old covenant, the same veil remained unlifted because only through Christ is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, the veil lies over their hearts. Whatever starts over your face becomes a veil over your heart. Whatever that is. You cover yourself up like so. And I can't get in. I can't get out. And no one can get in. No one can get in. No one. See, it starts superficial. But then it becomes spiritual. They couldn't see the full glory of God because they couldn't handle it. Because of the veil. And when we're so superficial who we are, we can't really experience life. We're in bondage 
to likes, to fake. I mean, bondage to what people think about me. You know, as pastors, we have to deal with that thing. That's the first thing you deal with when you, when you take and you're in charge because you want people to like you. And you can live your life. What happens is you can do that and do everything everyone likes you to do. But then you wake up five or ten years later and see something you built you don't even like because you built it for what people say versus building for the glory of God. And that's the first thing I had to deal with. Am I going to do it for God's approval or am I doing it for people's approval? We all deal with it. Do we really? How much do we care what people think? Because they don't remember much. I remember my first sermon. I said something in uh, our pastor's wife, Sister Gloria. I said, Sister Gloria, I said, she said, honey, they ain't remember nothing. You said it. Don't worry about it. Just don't. They forgot too. They remember what you did, but they won't remember what you said. Now, and they, they didn't have tapes. So we didn't record everything. But I, he, she said, don't deal with that. If God had you say it or you said it wrong, don't worry about it. Just push on. Because you're going to have a lot of opportunity to say a lot of things wrong. See, and what happens is if we do it for the people who, uh, for likes, identity um, is in the likes versus in God's love. Make sense? See, your identity comes from who you're following. And we're all following Jesus Christ. That's my identity. Not Facebook, not Twitter, not Snapchat, not Instagram. So whatever you're following will define you. If we're, defining, if we're following Jesus, he's defining me. Make sense? Society today is following a lot of things, and we're becoming that which we're following. There's a big, you can write this down, there is a big, big, if you look in the spirit today, spiritually, there is a big cloud of fear over America right now. Everyone is racked with fear. And if we're following the fear, we become fearful and we become caustic. We become negative at everything. You know what a good sign for a Christian when you say this? Well, I believe, I just don't want to be let down. You can't mix faith and fear. But it's a cloud of it. It's coming out of the woodworks. It's coming through your TV sets. It's coming through your radio. Everything is negative. Negative. And what it is, is not, it's negative because everyone's fearful what's going to happen next. But we all have to believe that we're not from here. We're from a kingdom. The kingdom of God. I am a citizen of heaven. I am here part time to be ambassador of heaven. And I have to remind myself of that. And my job until I lay this down is to help other people become citizens of heaven. Not conform to the earth, these things on earth. Their fear. Do I have to live my life in faith? Because everything you're hearing is fearful. Everything. We're so scared. We're so scared of nothing. It's just a cloud. But we follow that. We become what we follow.
That's why it says only Christ can remove it, the veil. See, when you have a veil on, guys, it's amazing what happens to you. You can't see clearly. I can't see with a veil on myself clearly who you are. I can't clearly see who I am. And I can't clearly see who God is. So the only one that can remove that is Christ. So he says in the word, only he can remove the veil. So I must focus my attention on everything that's going on. Focus my attention. Focus my following on Christ himself. So he'll remove the veil of fear, the veil of pain, the veil of disappointment, the veil of fake. And I discover who I was created to be. Remember, my identity is not in likes, it's in his love. I love the scripture, verse 16. But when one turns, that word turns means converts, repents. To the Lord, the veil is removed. Moses will go and deal with the people, and he had a grumbling set of people. And he will go outside to the tent of meeting, take the veil off, get full of God, come back, speak what they can handle, and put it back on. Because it was fading. We have, a, we have a glory now that's not fading. His name is Jesus. But if we don't have our tent of meeting, what is your tent of meeting? Is your tent of meeting when you get up the first thing in the morning is how many things are on Facebook? Or is your tent meeting with Jesus and his word? So you can't vote. You can't do it without. You got to know what Jesus said. You want to know what Jesus said? It's in his word. So if your first tent of meeting is this, you wake up with fear. Now, I get the news feed because I'm told that, you know, my, my instructor said, always keep on what's going on in the world and find out what's going on. I get news feeds. They beep in about, what, four in the morning? Da-da-da-da. And Donna says, I'm hating. Even when I turn it down, da 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 they flow in. Okay, this is going on. I have to put that like this. And I have to consciously, guys, it's not easy. Start praying. In my Bible, and the first text comes in at least by 8.50 or 8.15. Now, do I pick up the text? Or someone pinged something I wrote. And I'm like, oh man, I bet you it was a good one I wrote. Let me pick it up and see who liked me. What's your tenor meeting? We have to have a tenor meeting. Otherwise, I'll forget why I was created. Which takes me to the last part of the scripture. I want you to, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Because I'm sensing, as Christians, we're becoming so numb. That word, uh, they were talking about their hardened, becomes dull. We become dull of hearing. Because we're losing our excitement of the gospel. And we're buying into the lie that it doesn't work. 
And we want to elevate these heroes that have nothing to do with it. And we get disappointed when they let us down. Well, they're going to let you down. They're not Jesus. Verse 17. You got it? I know I'm messing with you. Here we go. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Oh, I love that. Say that again. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Not bondage. Not bondage to the phone. And who I am, who likes me. I'm free because he loves me. Come on, somebody. And we all, everyone say we all. With unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God. That means reflecting his goodness. That means your head will shine, your face will shine, your eyes will shine. Are being what? Being what? Into what? Of who? Of who? Who are you being transformed into the image of? Jesus. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. This gets me excited. Because the spirit of God raises everything. And he puts the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I love this part. See, it talks about threefold process. I am converted to the spirit. I turn from, I turn to, to the spirit. Now, when I do that, I experience freedom in who? The spirit. And that same one I turn to and the one I receive freedom from is the same one I'm being transformed daily by the spirit. See, salvation is just more than saying Jesus is my Lord and Savior. It's about a growing relationship with him. And how do we know the difference? Because your character changes. It's an internal change. When everyone's hating, as they call haters, you're loving. You have patience. You have peace. You start to exhibit the fruits of the spirit, not the fruits of the world. By saying, I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't like that. Hey, you'll say, I love you anyway, even though we don't agree. And guess what? Since you don't agree, let's still hang out. Because I have someone that we can all agree with. His name is Jesus. And when that happens and we all know we're free, we're not working to be free, that we're already free. That is amazing. Because, see, I'm not called on Facebook to elevate myself. I'm called to elevate Jesus. That's amazing. John 3.30 says this. He must increase, but I must what? I have to elevate him. How do I elevate him? Beholding his glory. You have to find your tent to meeting. And you come out of that tent before you go to work, before you go to school, and you're beholding God's glory. It will fade for a moment, but you got a lunch hour you can go. You got a dinner hour you can go. But it doesn't never really fade because we're not in the Old Testament, we're in the New Testament. It enriches everyone in the room. Come on, somebody. It enriches everyone in the room. That's what I love about it. See, we exist. That's why we want to take notes. 
We exist to, um, to give glory to God. That's why I exist. Billy Graham said this, you'll never understand who you are until you understand who God is. See, the image you want to present is what you see on TV. I want to look like them. Have you ever seen, uh, um, go to Fox News, and you see the before and after pictures with makeup, no makeup. You get to go to L.A., you see some people hiding from you. You see the stars. They're not glamorous like they are then on the, on, the red, on the red carpet. They hide from you on the planes because they don't look like that image here. They look completely different. And as they get older, gravity takes over. And the camera angle is just not that good. And you're on the plane like, that does not look like Brad Pitt. That looks like Brad Pitt's mother. The hunk, right? And the camera, he's a short dude. I've seen him. We don't have to live our lives like that. Present something that really doesn't exist. Be you. Can we all agree to give God glory on who we are? And you don't have to text you don't have to Facebook the image that doesn't exist. Because we're here to give God glory. How many, when you stand up, stand up? And we want to worship God. How many really feel afraid to come up front because you might, people might look at you? Who's afraid of doing that? Okay. No one raised their hand. Oh, yeah, thank you. I'm going to step on it. No one raised their hand, but I notice no one does it. Why? We're afraid. If I come out and I lift my hands in worship, everyone lift your hands. You're worried about someone looking at you. And guess what? They don't care. They won't remember. Only Jesus remembers when you lift your hands up because he lifts you up. And we're here to give glory to God. I tell men all the time, lift your hands. I'm here to give God glory. Whatever that looks like, I jump around, I spin around. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care what people think. I only care what God thinks. I'm living for the approval of God, not for the likes of people. And that's the greatest freedom that we can have. When we come into a place, we don't go to concerts and go crazy. We come to the house of God and go crazier. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord praise right now. Father, I thank you right now. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. I praise your holy name, Lord. We're here to give you glory. We shake off fear.